I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words of Betting Podcast. I'm joined by Bradley Todd. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are we? Oh, I'm really well, thank you. Good to have you back on the podcast. Um, I'd say the band is back together, but we haven't got Jason tonight. So it seems to be at the moment that our schedules are... Uh, yeah, it seems to be the trend, doesn't it? It's tough, isn't it? It's, it's uh, Yeah, it's like, uh, what is it called? It's like ships passing in the night or whatever it is. But, um, you know, eventually we'll be able to get the group down. We're just, uh, you know, it's yeah. been... Busy few months, uh, you know, all culminating towards the end of the DP World Tour season, start of the, of the PJ swing season, if you like. Um, mm. But good news is uh, Jason's best bet of the week last week, Adrian Otegi wins. Uh, Brad, I believe you also put him up on your Patreon as well. I did, uh, indeed, yeah. So really successful week for, for you guys. Um, at the moment, I'm just kind of riding your coattails, which is really nice. Um, I just kind of give you guys a platform to talk and I just turn up, which is... Nah, it's your turn. It, well, hopefully, um, you know, just... just it. It's, it's really weird because, like, it feels... I feel very fatigued at this point of the year. Like, I really like some of the events on the, on the PGA Tour. Uh, at this time of year, um, and and we've seen the best courses that we've seen on the on the DB World Tour basically for the last few weeks. But from a betting perspective, I find it very very difficult. Like last week, it felt like it was definitely going to go to a favourite um, yeah. in America, and you know Bradley was short enough, but he wasn't you know amongst the, the very elite. Um, and then the, the, the DP World Tour, obviously, you guys were you know pretty hot on a taggy, but. You know, I couldn't certainly couldn't see someone stretching the lead that much. So it feels like there's been a few things you just can't really predict. Yeah, that was freakish. Like, I mean, let's face it. Like what he did was just unbelievable. Um, I didn't even expect that to be honest. I just bet him, and I thought he's looking great value. Yeah. Did I expect him to win by six shots? Was it like yeah. not at all? It was just unbelievable. It, it, it makes an interesting point though, because like I think people. He's one of those ones because he played. What, I don't know if he played like the first three events or one event. Or I can't remember what he did, but he played a couple of events that lived, didn't he? And like, mm-hmm. I feel like he's one of those ones that's managed to get away without getting too much of a black mark against him. Um, a bit like Larafa mm-hmm. Bell, a bit like that. Like, there's been a couple of players that have gone there, played one event, and come out of it, and no one seems to be too much against them. Um, but then there was sort of some talk over the weekend that they weren't sort of showing much of him on social media, that. and mm. I just. What, the one thing really yeah he had a free game was it a free um tournament contract something like that yeah so, I mean, I don't it, know. it's tough isn't it but i think i think for me one of the things i've ultimately drawn from it now is that one of our questions you know just strictly from a betting point of view not you know we don't want to talk about the tours and, and all that sort of stuff it's not really worth it but we always sort of question what does the sort of live tour form mean um and it looks like it, you know, if you're playing well on that tour, you can come over and, and sort of impress. Mm-hmm. And even in Tagi's case, he kind of didn't play that well. Um, but then as soon as he came back and played on DP World Tour, he was really, really good. Um, it, it just seems to be that the form can translate. So I wouldn't necessarily give up on these players that are kind of mixing it in both. Yeah. Um, we saw him Uline recently played well in on the Dunhill Links yeah. and stuff. So he lost out in, And I lost out in a playoff loss. He, he lost out in, I think it was to about six Final million, didn't it? Um, yes, six, $6 million he lost out on last night. So, um, wow. yeah, I, was, I didn't didn't message him to see uh, see if he was okay. I thought I'd best leave that one. Um, uh, sorry but, for the best. <laughs> yeah, that would probably sting. But he did actually message me to sort of thank me for something I sent to him earlier. But, like, it, yeah, I, think, I think it's one of those things, right? But I get the whole argument that it's not as competitive as the DP World Tour, not as competitive as the PJ Tour, you're not playing against those sort of players, etc. But there's no way that you can't not care about six million and be competitive. Like that was the difference between him winning that playoff and not. Mm-hmm. Um so th- there's definitely some some yeah, cases to be made, isn't there? Yeah. Um to, in terms of competitive spirit and whether Otegi is enough of a case study to prove that, I'm not sure, because he only sort of did those three events. But definitely something sort of worth considering in the back of our minds mm-hmm. as we look into 2022 and, and some, or 2023, sorry, and some probably more changes um, yes. in the future. And I think they want to come over and prove a point anyway. So of course they do, yeah. 
yeah, so I think there's always that. There is a bit of an edge at the moment, isn't there? So, um, anything that you want to say, particularly on the tour? I mean, I didn't see any of the. the... I didn't see that. I, I didn't no. see much of the um, Zozo. No. Um, I just thought Bradley. I didn't really give much of a look at, to be honest. I was looking at um, Munoz and uh, Pereira at forty-five to one, and then I think Bradley was thirty-threes, and I just just glazed over that. I didn't really like the price, uh, but yeah, fair play. It's good to see him back in the winner's circle. But I didn't see any of it other than the highlights, so can't really comment on that. So and, I uh, I put him up as first round leader, uh, which he obviously did not. That's normally the way did to not, go. Did not get, uh, which is sort of Keegan Bradley esque, right? Um, mm-hmm. And he sort of rattles off, I think, four or five birdies towards the end to, to sort of give that a chance, but but not quite close enough. Um, I, I sort of gave him a look in the sense of like, okay, he's played well here a couple of times, and yeah, that, that you know, he, he generally repeats form, but. Yeah, like you say, first three to one with all those kind of there was just, five or six elites above him. Like I didn't. There see was it. a it was a that was a good part of the um, the market, wasn't it? There was a few in that range that I just that appealed, and I just feel like I just did, I just favoured them over him. But I, really, I loved Mito. I mean, he he started pretty oh, well as well, didn't he? Um, all over Mito. I absolutely loved, it was probably my favourite bet last week, and uh, I, I had a shocker like all all the way through that event. Like, through my card but yeah Mito was my favourite bet and he got off that great start and I was thinking here we go yeah, but, yeah and all, it, went, all went to hell it's interesting though because I think again that's one of those ones where like, I wouldn't necessarily want to jump off Mito too quickly based on you know he had three really good rounds um, not sure if we're going to come on to him sort of later in, in this podcast but like you look at it he opens up with 67 and shoots 68 66 over the weekend after that Sort of second mm. round seventy seven. That's quite a decent, you know, comeback from from such a it bad is. second round, isn't it? So, I think again, it's one of those ones where you kind of got to isolate the rounds. We did it on tour tips. You go round by round, see what they've done. Yeah. Uh, one of the disappointing things is no stats uh, in terms of strokes gain data from from the Zozo, which mm-hmm. leaves a bit of a gap. Um, I think that's it, really. I think I think Valderrama was what it was. It became kind of a non-event because of what Otegi did. It's a shame, really. That's normally such a like, uh, it's always down to the wire, really, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I don't. It's sort of went away a bit last year, a bit. But. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if it's like we should just marvel at how amazing that was. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. How how well he played, or are we disappointed? As I mean, obviously, you know, the people that backed him are obviously not disappointed, but like. I mean, where was he? Round one, he was one behind, wasn't he? And then round two, he was tied for the lead. So through 36 holes, there was obviously a decent you know, chance of things happening. And then he just opened up that six-shot lead going into the final round and kept yeah. it. Like, that is... I mean, the fact he kept it. Like, yeah. And that's, and that's the kind of course your bum can really go boo. I yeah. Don't know, and you can just have a terrible hole and then it can just unravel from there. So... Yeah, I, I can't believe it, honestly. Uh, to keep his head and to keep building on his lead was just astonishing, really. I, I, I think mean, you've got to just commend him. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, when we look at the scores, I mean, if it was just him, but, like, Joachim Lagergun got 13 under, Minmu Lee got to 10 under, even Hidalgo, who played very well, that you, you liked, obviously, being yeah. on the bubble, like, he was 8 under, and, you know, he should have really finished better than that. He had a, a bad final day, which I think kind of mm-hmm. got to him with the, with the crowds and stuff. But, like... Yeah. I suppose in that sense, like Valderrama played a little bit differently this year to, to what we're accustomed to. But I think mm-hmm. anybody that sort of finished in the side of the top twenty should be pretty impressed with what they've achieved, considering they all shot under par. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely think there's some takeaways from that. Um, ones that we should probably look into what Valderrama is normally, um, maybe what it was different this year. But yeah, I think I think there's definitely definitely some stuff to take away from that. Mm-hmm. Going into the Mallorca Golf Open then, uh, Brad, we're in a new golf course. So this event was actually only meant to be a, a one-off um, to sort of replace an event from last year due to COVID. Um, it's now come back and it's at Sun Montana Golf Club in Palma, Mallorca. Um, we kind of spoke about this a little bit earlier. We, we didn't find too much about the golf course, or I certainly didn't, um, that, that I could particularly put my finger on as, as to what it was. It, it's hard because... Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like it's, it's obviously not a long course it plays at less than 7,000 yards it's a par 71 mm-hmm. and there is some water there 
is it going to rely on some conditions for it to become difficult? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I, I do think so. I mean, I've been looking at reviews um, and anything I can find, really looking at the course, and it does look to be like quite a lot of variation in holes, like undulation, as you said, water to avoid. Um, but I just, it's tough to know really, like, are the pros just going to rip it apart? There's three par fives, they're all reachable. There's some short par fours. There is some danger where you can lose it out of bound, like yeah. left, quite a few um, holes. Uh, I just, it's hard to know, isn't it? Um, some some reviews saying it could suit a strategic player and you don't like it, not the kind of course you can bomb and gouge, which, and then others say that, they feel as though it can be overpowered and it's just it's really tough to know until we've seen it in competitive action like we've at this level you know so i think that's um, the thing because you can only do what you could do brad like you've obviously done a decent dive into this golf course right and, and tried to find as much as you can you've looked into reviews etc mm. ultimately they're reviews from people that are not playing at this yeah, level so that's it yeah that's <laughs> it if I was to review this golf course, I'd go, yeah, bloody tough. Like, a bit of water there. Like, you know, yeah. definitely go out of bounds. It's like, yeah, well, that's because you hit it 240 yards left. Um, <laughs> that's it. So, that's it, yeah. it, it, it's tough, isn't it? I think I think the way I view these ones is the Mallorca Golf Open It's going to be pretty resorty. Resorty, um, yeah. You know, it was last year. I think I think it was 15 under they got to last year. I might be wrong. Um, but it was about yeah. that. They got to that kind of number. Um, and, I, and I would We're be surprised if they didn't do that again. I think, yeah, mm. I think you've got to go for it, haven't you? 15 under Jeff Windsor last year from uh, Pep Anglais, Jorge Campillo and Sebastian Soderberg, 14 under. So last year there were three Spaniards inside the top five. Uh, and then you had another two more inside the top 16. So there was a decent showing from, from the Spaniards uh, in Mallorca. Um, so definitely something to consider, uh, whether sort of people stick to that. Is, uh, is kind of up to them. So let's look into the market then. Rasmus Hoygaard is 12 to 1. Ryan Fox is 16 to 1. Last week's winner, uh, Adrian Otegi, 18 to 1. Eddie Peppel, 20s. Richard Mansell, 25s. I'll take a pause there on Richard Mansell. Um, it's a tough one because I actually thought Otegi could go again. Um, yeah, I thought the same. But. I can't do it 18 to 1. It's a really ballsy play. It is. It's ballsy, but... It's weird. Yeah, go on. I'm sorry, mate. I was going to say, I almost almost went there. I was looking at it and I was like, he was so good to me last week. He was excellent. Why can he not just go again? And then you saw him, how he coped with the lead. It's like an 18 to 1. You could just do like a win only. But it just seems so ballsy. Is, isn't it? I, I, it was something that did cross my mind. So there's a couple of sort of angles of attack from it. Is the fact that like he shot what he shot last week on one of the toughest layouts um, in the world, shoots 19 under. Why now is he going to be on a really really easy golf course? It's going to feel like um, you know Charles playing. He's going to go and shoot the same sort of score. Or is he so mentally battered from the fact that he's just done four rounds of basically carrying a lead or being in with the lead? Um, mm it's a tough one so ultimately at 18 to 1 I kind of left that out then it was it come down to Eddie Pepperell who I thought you know his ball striking has been sustained for a long period of time now um, again didn't get there so that leaves in this area Richard Mansell who Jason has gone for mm-hmm. um, so that, that starts off Jason's selection as one of five um, it's, it's very obvious to see why he would go for him Brad but yeah. I just can't do it like, I just can't. I can't get those images out of my head of him just collapsing. Yeah, no, I've banned myself from Mansell for the time <laughs> being, um, purely, purely because I just, it just, it is just Laurie Cantor all over again. Almost, it's like you can tell he's got the ability. He is. You say like, oh, he's going to win, and he most likely will. Yeah. Um, fantastic ball striker, and he should, he should go really well here. You know, he should overpower a course like this and score really well in easy conditions um you just worry like after what we saw at the dunhill links it's just um you can't help but not get that out of your mind and he's done it on a couple of occasions i suppose i suppose the 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 counters that is dunhill links is such a bigger event than this and the golf course can throw up a bit more challenge than what we're expecting this to be in 28 to 1 seven places 
he's kind of a standout, but I just don't think he makes the amount of putts he needs to. Even on an easy golf course, I don't think he'll do mm-hmm. it. So the fact that we don't necessarily know it is going to be easy either uh, kind of put me off. Then we come to Yannick Paul, who Jason's also gone for. Um, I've, we've been all over Yannick Paul all season yeah. um, in different ways. Um, I think we all love him, really. We, we do. We really do. And, you know, even me and Sky on uh, on the Mayo Media Network, we always got Yannick Paul. So there's never going to be a disagreement with me about Yannick Paul. I, no, just, I just thought maybe he'd come into a short enough price now that we didn't need to to worry too much. Um, but mm-hmm. I will, you know, point to the fact that Jason's doing a lot better than me at the moment. And if he likes those two at the top of the market, then absolutely makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So then we come to where we first agree, Brad, which um, yep. is something we don't always do. Uh, not in a no. not in a we disagree, but we, you know it's very rare that we always have the same sort of selections. That's Andy right. Sullivan, uh, thirty-five to one, uh, thirty-three to one. Sorry, is the best price you can get now. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Ben's put him up since we sort of put these lists together, but. I just the way I phrase it, Brad, and, and this is kind of how I've written out to myself, is that it should be an event right in Sullivan's wheelhouse. It's a field that lacks depth. It's a new golf course which should produce some low numbers, which again sort of points to what Andy Sullivan does. He was fifth last week in approach and tee to green, and that's his second top five effort in both categories in his past five starts. At his best, we know he's a Ryder Cup player and a four-time Tour winner, and mm-hmm. he will look to show that on a course that basically everyone's got the same sort of knowledge about in a field where the, the quality is lacking in depth. And, you know, this is just where Sullivan comes to the fore. Like, he's, he's shown some life basically every course that he's played except for the French Open recently. Um, I, I think he's definitely... I, I didn't think it was great value, I must admit. Like, when, when I saw him and I saw he was sort of 40 to 1 first showing, I was like, OK, that's yeah. about where I want to be. And 33 to 1 is definitely ask yourself. But I feel very silly not to be on Sullivan when he's striking it the way he is under the circumstances as well seeing that cut-off point for a tour card yeah no spot on I, I mean I think anything of I think 30, 33s is just okay like given it's the the level of field um, that we're looking at um, but yeah I agree with everything you said um, he just seems to be showing a lot more signs like recently like as you said with his approach numbers and tee to green and he's had a pretty poor year for his standards I just feel like Surely, from a personal perspective, he'll be looking to contend like in the coming weeks. And with the signs he's shown, I think this could be the perfect opportunity. Uh, we are expecting birdies, as we said. Like we don't know for certain, but it is what we're expecting. And his his last two wins, they were at um, 23 under and 27 under. And yeah. that, who knows? That might well be what we're like expecting this week. Um, if it's a resort type course and it plays easy, then it will. So yeah, um, I think. There's enough there to go for Andy Sullivan this week. Anything it's, above 33 is fine. It's a tough one for me with Andy Sullivan, right? Because like you look at, it, he's had four wins, and three of them came in the same year. And it's like, mm. is that just him like having like a great Matt year? Wallace. And yeah, <laughs> well, exactly the same player, right? Like, I just think you know we we lord Matt Wallace as this like hugely talented three or four time European Tour winner. It all happens in you know a short space of time. We don't know generally how good he is year on year. Now with Wallace, he's kind of trying to keep cards on both sides and, and he does generally show his quality quite a lot and Sullivan I think can do he's just a bit more inconsistent but nine strokes he won that Portugal Masters by against Chris Wood and seven strokes he beat Adrian Otegi by the English Championship in 2020 so mm. it does feel like if you can if birdies are there to be made and it is a type of resort course that is what he does yeah. um, I wouldn't mind another runaway winner like last week yeah it would be alright wouldn't it um, yeah. has he has he got a status next year locked up because of that win, or does he need to keep his? Card? I I looked at his because obviously he's out. He's just inside, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's um, But I bubble. think I feel as though he's already got status um, somehow. Um, but I don't know that for certain. Um, but that's what I expected, as there's not. I haven't heard it much noise and about well, this, it. This is the thing. Like it feels like if. If he was someone that was struggling for his tour card, we would have heard about it. I'm, I'm yeah, sure that's what I've heard I'm a saying. couple of things in, in yeah. commentary that sort of said he needs to buck his ideas up. So maybe there is. But yeah, he's 109th at the moment and obviously the top 117. So if there is any sort of questions about his status, I think that's a, a big factor mm-hmm. as well. Um, so yeah, I think this with the Portugal Masters coming up, it's things like that. I think in general, up. he'll just want to improve on that, you know, even if his yeah. status is... Because he's having... He's, that's just... He's far better than that. You know, we all know that, so... Yeah, and I think I think this is a perfect time to show it. Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. 
you know, 11th last week in Valderrama, which I wouldn't necessarily put down as his sort of thing. Like, I think that was his best, yeah, that was his best finish yeah. at Valderrama, his career best, yeah. Yeah, and he, and he just doesn't strike me as someone that wants to go out and struggle, whereas, like, he comes out to his golf course, flick a few wedges here and there, and, and make mm-hmm. birdies. It, it strikes me as something he wants to do. So, um, yeah, I, I think Andy Sullivan, both of us on him, uh, is a good sign for, for certainly I feel better about it, uh, knowing that you're on there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it feels good to me. Um, Talk to us about Nikolai Hoygaard at the same price as well. Another one I was definitely tempted by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he just jumps out as the best option. Like, I mean, as we said about the course, you just don't know what to expect, but we are expecting it could be overpowered, turn into a birdie fest. And, you know, Nikolai just jumped out as the best option for me. Like, he was actually the first bet I placed. Um, yeah. He obviously struggles for consistency. Um, but we, we've seen in the past, like what he did to Raz early in the year, one by four shots. Um, he completely overpowered that course. Um, yeah, the fact he hasn't been playing well, it's, it's a little bit concerning, but he did hit it well uh, last week at Valderrama, and I, I you'd never fancy him no. there, really. Um, he ranked first off the tee, which was first time since he won the Raz. Uh, fourth in ball striking and 61st in patterns are pretty obvious what needs to improve. Um, and yeah, Given everything we I've read about, um, it just looks like he could be a good fit for this test, uh, two-time winner. And so we know if he does get in contention, like he has the minerals to win, whereas like a few around that range um, in the betting market, they just don't, you know. So um, yeah, I think there's a lot to like at Nikolai that number. He showed some signs last week. Yeah, the, the, there's a definite golf in quality in terms of consistency between him and his brother. But talent-wise, I still think... I mean, we have this sort of conversation periodically through the podcast. I don't think there's too much in it. I think I think no. Rasmus is more reliable and, and you kind of know what you're getting. But I still think Nikolai is hugely talented. And I think even at college level and, and things like that, they were kind of... Or amateur level, yeah. I think Nikolai was actually... Well, uh, I think all the pundits say that Nikolai's got the better swing. Yeah, yeah that, I think so. So... It's forty to one versus twelve to one about two players that have you know got similar career paths already, um, and, and that's not where the similarities stop, obviously. So, yeah, I thought forty to one was was plenty fair enough. I just the thing that I find with Nikolai now is it, it it seems hard to have anything particular to pin your hat on with him. It's kind of like he's like a gut feel play, like forty to one in a weak field can get a bit of a birdie fest here sounds like a good idea for Nikolai exactly like, yeah that, that's, that's, that's about that's it, it isn't it and that is it yeah but that's probably a similar sort of thing to what I'm putting with Andy Sullivan I just think it's a bit more mm-hmm. a bit more statistical about it at the moment but um, yeah when we don't have much to go off I think that is literally where you've got to go from to be honest I think so and I think I think it's one of those ones where like at the end of, I mean he was he ranked first in strokes going off the tee last week um, at mm-hmm. Valderrama which just shouldn't really like we say shouldn't really in his wheelhouse, 26th in strokes gain approach. Um, you know, it's a really impressive stuff. 16th overall in uh, T to green. It's yeah, I mean, I, I quite like it. He's got a fourth place finish um, at the Canary Islands, I think it Canary was. Canary Islands, yeah. So that, yeah. a 15th again, Grand Canaria, 13th at the Catalunya. So he's had you know three top 15 finishes uh, in this kind of part of the world at these kind of resort events as well. So. Mm-hmm. He, there's kind of room, I think, in, on my card for someone else, and he might be the one. Uh, Forty to one standout price. I think there's definitely something about Nikolai that I do like. Nice. Um, so I'll go there as well potentially. Um, in this same range, uh, Jason's gone for uh, Romain Langasque and Louis Diego as well. Uh, Louis Diego's got a couple of prices missing, but I think about fifty to one is his best price. Um, and Langasque uh, is is forty five to one. So. Interesting. Like I've, I've been kind of looking back at Langas for a little while. Um, just doesn't strike me as a course for him. But again, we don't necessarily know. Like to your point earlier, when you said it could be a bit more strategic. If it does work out that way, then the Langas is, is yeah. kind of that sort of mould, isn't he? Same with Diego, I'd say. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, next up for me was Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez and. I found this really hard because I don't love the price. Again, a little bit like Andy Sullivan, but he's made his seven of his last nine cuts in Spain, which is a massive thing for him because playing at home comes with its own pressures anyway. But then the fact that he just steps up there and, and shows his best stuff is, is really, really good. 24th, 6th and 15th in tees green his last three weeks. 21st, 14th and 38th in strokes going approaching that time as well. Um just really like the sort of things that we've been seeing from Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez. You look at the fact mm-hmm. he was fifth 
uh, at this event last year. Obviously, a different golf course, uh, but four rounds of 68 or better, which actually in itself was quite impressive, I think, because he opened up 66, 67, uh, shoot 67, 68 over the weekend, um, actually beat you know most of the people above him um, on the final day. So he played really, really well. Just that Jeff Winter had kind of shot at 62 in rounds one and round three and kind of made it so hard for him to keep up. So mm-hmm. normally when you see someone, I mean, Garcia was giving him five shots going into the final day. When you see that, it's some people just try and push too hard. And yeah. what I liked about it was Garcia Rodriguez didn't seem to. Like he was mm-hmm. three back going into Saturday, uh, five back going into Sunday, and you know ultimately finished three shots back, but just made inroads all week long. So that plus the fact he plays well in Spain, plus the fact he's just been really, really solid. Um, is he good enough to win? Um, is questionable, I'd say. But no, yeah. it, there's nothing to suggest he isn't. I think it, it's just he's one that we don't know yet whether he can or not. Mm-hmm. No, I like it a lot. And I think if it does turn into a birdie fest, he is the type of guy who can, like he's got birdies in his locker. You know, he can go seriously low. Um, and he's just been playing really well. Uh, five cuts, consistent, like five, he's made the cut like five weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, and he's just inside, like the bubble, you know, yeah. he's just inside. So he needs a big week. Uh, he, 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 like, he got his card um, at the moment, as it stands, he's 115 just inside. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's, he needs a good week. And he's been playing really well. I think he's a good bet this week. It's interesting with Garcia Rodriguez because, like, in that sense, one, it would kind of motivate you to get away from that bubble. But also, there could be a little bit of it makes you tense because you want to protect that position, i.e. you want to get through the cut and then just make your way from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, a tough one. But when you look at his, you know, he's missed one cut in his last, like, I think it's 10 starts. He was 23rd at the ISPS Handa, which is in Spain. But he was actually 5th yeah. after round 1, 21st after round 3. He was 51st at Czech Masters and never really looked like doing much better than that. Uh, at Kranz, he shot million rounds of 67 and 66 and sort of bounced back from, from a poor opening round. 55th at the Italian Open, but he was actually 5th at the 36-hole stage. He was 60th in France, but he was 22nd at the halfway stage. 36th at the Dunhill Links, but he was 11th at the 54-hole stage. 34th at the Open d'Espagne, but he was 13th after 36 and 54 holes. And then last week, he was fifth after round two and then just shot that 76 on Saturday, which we know Valderrama can do to. We know it can definitely do to Garcia Rodriguez, who definitely yeah. prefers this kind of layout. So to me, that there's a there's a lot there to like. So, um, yeah, I'm going to stick with him, despite the concerns that maybe the price is, you know, a little bit on the shorter side. Yeah, I like it. I still think there's enough there. I hope so. Um just looking back through, so we've got a couple more here. So, Renato Paratore for me, at 100 to 1. Um, again, one of those ones where I was hoping for a little bit bigger. I was hoping he was going to be a little bit of a sneakier pick, um, but I think there's a little bit of talk about him. Um, found some form of late, comes back to an event he's finished 11th at last year. Again, obviously a different golf course, but a bit like what you said about Nikolai Hoygaard, that when there's some uncertainties about golf courses, like I think it's best to go to people that you know can win and you know regardless mm-hmm. of whether that's at certain courses that suit or not like he's a very high quality player on his day he's won multiple times he's not quite in that form where he finished third at the kazoo and fourth at the ISPS hander early in the season but he's gone 13th and 32nd in back-to-back weeks in spain and i think this could be his best of the three so 100 to 1 uh, brad i thought he was good enough value mm-hmm. to place yeah i don't mind that at all i also looked at him i didn't get there in the end um he did rely quite a lot on um, his putter last yeah. week, didn't he? Yeah, and scrambling, which, fair play. Like, I mean, you do need to have that around uh, Valderrama. I think that was the only thing that really... Uh, I overlooked him in the end because of that. But that he's another one. I know we're going to keep referring to that, but he he's also in need of a good week. Definitely. You know? Yeah. So I, th- I, think, hard. I think with him, like, I've always looked at him this year at courses where it's either been where drivers not needed or whether you've got a bit more room. And I think that he could get away with some... Obviously, if he goes, right. starts going yeah. left, then obviously we're in, in trouble and there's some water and stuff. But, you know, he I think he's the type that can take advantage of these kind of bit more generous layouts mm. compared to Valderrama. So, um, 
one last one for Jason this road, Darius Van Drill, who I did look at, but I thought he come in a little bit shorter. And whereas like I kind of accepted it about Rodriguez because he is Spanish and you know ultimately you're gonna knock a couple of prices off of that. Um I thought Van Drill at kind of sixty six to one uh had come in a bit too much for me. Yeah. So um that was where I was at with Van Drill, but Jason does like him uh, and definitely worth looking at. Two more between us, spread uh, for us to talk about. I do want to touch upon Alex Fitzpatrick. I do think he is going to contend. Like I think he's been bubbling basically every event he's played since he really dedicated himself to playing these events. Um, mm-hmm. And I think ultimately next season we need to talk about someone that could be a regular contender on a DP World Tour. I just, yeah. I just wonder if he's now coming into the prices that everyone else knows that as well, like 66 mm-hmm. to 1, 80 to 1, um, against some kind of. You know, you've got Lucas Nemeth in that range, I thought was a decent shout. You've got JB Hansen in there, we know what he's about. Like other proven yeah. winners of that range. Tough one. Like Marcel Seen's been playing well. There was a lot, Tom Lewis, that I liked. So I think that range is kind of peppered with people that was a really difficult decision, so I kind of steered away from kind of all of mm-hmm. it. Um so give us your final selection on the day for... Uh... Hey, um, so my final selection is one of Jason's old favourites, um, Ricardo Cabea. Yeah. And now, someone is not renowned for birdie fests, so um, yeah, nearly put me off, but I looked a bit deeper. And, um, but was, as I said, given we haven't actually seen the course in action, um, and saying it, some people are saying it might be a bit more strategic, it might actually be an all right bet <laughs> yeah. but i didn't let it put off gavea because he's he's ranked another one he's ranked 122nd on the dp world tour ranking so needs a good week um decent last time out at Valderrama, finished tied 19th seventh on approach best he's hit his iron since the scandinavian mixed um so he's not the longest uh so if you can overpower this course it might be um not an advantage for him there so he'll be relying on decent approach play and a hot putter to have a chance if it's like that. Yeah. Finished second last year to Hella Kilda at the Challenge Tour final in Mallorca, which can only be a plus. Yeah. Um, he's had a couple of good moments this year. So he's finished tied seventh at the Dutch Open, and he was third after three rounds at the Barbasol. Fell away over the weekend, but he still finished like a respectable eighth. Uh, but what I liked about this, which sort of made me feel like maybe he could do it this week if it did turn into a birdie fest, is he shot 64 and 65 first two rounds. I mean, this was his PGA Tour debut. Yeah. Of course, he hasn't seen before. Um, and it just a bit of signs that he might be able to, keep, like, might be capable enough to go low this week if it is expected to be a low-scoring affair. And um, I was looking at his social media. He was very happy with how his game felt last week. And um, he's really looking forward to this event, which is also a plus. So that just, I just, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. So I've just, um, there's enough there for me to suggest that there's a lot of motivation to go well this week. And I don't think he wants to find himself back into the challenge tour for, I don't know now, is it the second or third time? So Yeah, probably more than that. I think, I think, I think with Guglielmo, like the, thing for me was that like at the start of the season he was he wasn't the flash newcomer that you've got with you know schmidt's and and, Hedekel Hedekel, and, yeah. and you know um yeah, other people like that yannick paul etc but he was the guy that you felt had been there in the past he knew what this level was about and yeah. he'd obviously won twice last year i think he almost had a chance to win three times last year so then you go back to the fact is he just not quite good enough at this That's level, wild. I mean, he's been an inside the top hundred in the world rankings. He's been like seventy seventh. He's he's flown. You know, he's had chances on the European tour, etc. Um, it it's a tough one, isn't it? It really is. I think it's it's like you said. It's whether whether this course is going to play how we think it is, or, or whether you know it does surprise us. And if it surprises us, you want to have someone well, in your back pocket, don't you? Yeah, I think it's good to have a, at least one player. You can go like maybe one player who's a bit different from the rest, you know, on your card. Um, and that, yeah, and Gavere is that guy for me. Um, but yeah, I think even there was enough at the Barbasol, though, that to even suggest, you know, earlier in the year, you know, that really impressed me. And that was um, a bit of an eye catcher. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows what he's got like in his locker for the rest of the season. You know, he might be uh, saving it for this week or in Portugal. 
So I think, I think for him, like at least we know that if he gets himself in the mix, I think he can hang around. Like his problem at the moment has been getting through the cut and and even being there, right? But I think once he does, he can mix it. So um, yeah. I, I think there's definitely some opportunities there. My final pick, uh, Maverick Ancliffe, who is someone that I've wanted to back multiple times. I spoke about him at 401 last week because uh, he was coming off the back of two uh, top four strokes grain approach uh, tournaments. Finished 21st last week at Valderrama. That was his first top 25 bread since last year's Porsche European Open. Uh, mm-hmm. He was second wow. in approach last week, meaning he's been fourth, fourth, and second his last three weeks. And now he gets another chance to go well in Spain. Uh, his best ever finish on the DP World Tour was second at the Canary Islands, which can only be a bonus. Um, although he only finished 63rd at the Catalonia Championship, he was ninth at the halfway stage. Add that to the fact he was 21st at Gran Canaria last year and seventh at the halfway stage as well. It, it kind of suggests to me that he likes this area for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I don't know if it's, I mean, his putting is probably the same level as me and you, um, <laughs> which, which is why he doesn't make cuts very often. Um, but. It just, it just strikes me just the way he's been hitting the ball uh, you know we saw this a bit last year it always seemed to be like him and Sean Crocker seemed to be the ones that would you know lead the approach stats and, and Sean Crocker is what he is and, and Ancliffe is what he is but you know he's second at the Canary Island third at the Irish Open um, three time winner in China in 2019 which is mm-hmm. how he got onto the tour in the first place um, I just think yeah at 200 to 1 given those I mean let's face it they are superb ball striking numbers um, yeah they are yeah yeah. When and I for look, someone, sorry mate, no, I was going to say for someone who doesn't pick up many results, and then you look at his uh, results that he picks up in this part of the world. Yeah, you, it's just it is you can't ignore it, especially after his numbers last week. It's just at that price, it's it's very juicy. Yeah, it <laughs> like, is. All he needs is one. Like even if he just uh, at half bears his perform putting performance, he'll be in the top. Top five, probably. Oh, I'd love that if he could actually find uh, anything on the putting green. But I, I looked last week and like I backed Joel Damon at the, obviously different tours, but about Joel, I mean, Joel Damon at Zozo, basically off the strength of the fact that he two or three weeks of really good ball striking numbers after a really rough patch. And this is exactly what Ancliffe is doing. And whereas Joel Damon didn't get the job done and you know, fell out of the places. He was there for three rounds, 68, 67, 66, got better every day. And I think Ancliffe can do something like that, and it's just how he holds on. Um, <laughs> I didn't actually know he was a three-time winner on the, on the China Tour, too, or I probably knew and then forgot. Like, it, it was a nice reminder that he can actually get wins. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Ancliffe has got a bit to offer uh, at 200 to 1. So I've gone for him. Um, okay. Other than that, it, it was... Kind of slim pickings, I thought this week. Like we've kind of been through the people that that I considered. You know, Jason's mm-hmm. put them up. You, you know, we we've spoken about a couple of people together. Um, I, I think that's pretty much it for me. I don't I don't think there's anyone else that I really want to touch upon. I think you'll get someone from this kind of 300, 400, one range and make a run because it's that type of golf course. I just yeah. don't know who it is, and you know that doesn't help anybody. But you know, if you do have a feeling, I did look at Mark Warren. I did look at. Jack Senior, I did look at people like that. It just seems to play well think, in Spain and stuff like that. I think it's a kind of week where you can take like three or four in the triple digits if you've got a fancy for them for whatever reason. And because it, you just, as we don't, we don't know what to expect, and it's a new course for most, you know, majority even. And um, yeah, I think it's worth it. Yeah. Worth uh, throwing a few darts. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll summarise those picks. I know there was quite a few picks between the three of us there. Um, so we'll summarise those again at the end of the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. But coming on to the CJ Cup, Brad, which now has a new home again. Uh, this is an event that's only been around since 2017, yet it's had like four different courses, I think it is. Um, yeah. You know, it obviously started really... You know, I really liked Nine Bridges. I, I, I enjoyed well, that. I love as a Nine Bridges. Yeah. Um, then it went to Shadow Creek, which is obviously not anybody's fault that happened because of COVID. Then it was at the Summit Club last year. How Both many years those... has it now been out of uh, South Korea? Three this, years? This will be the third year. So third year, yeah. It's had uh, three years at Nine Bridges, um, which, you know, Justin Thomas will probably hope it was back there. Um, and then, yeah, Jason Kokrat beat Xander in, in Shadow Creek and Rory beat Colin Murakawa last year at the Summit Club. It's now in South Carolina. So not only is it kind of 
come to America, but it's now completely departed from the Vegas area as well. Um, mm. And it's at Congaree, which host, uh, hosted the Palmetto last year. Yeah. Um, Brad, did you take anything from that in particular? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the Congaree last, last year. I thought it was a great course. Yeah. Um, and I think that, the, that there weren't many people who were in the field that played in that event, only a small majority. So course form isn't much of a factor. Obviously, you can only go off on what the players who actually played in that event. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I feel as though you can target players, uh, I mean, differently this, in this event. You know, you know what you're gonna. You know what you need. You need players who've got distance off the tee, who've got experience on Bermuda greens, and who are probably cre- creeping into a bit of form. And yeah. that's it. Yeah, I, I kind of looked at it as that there's about a quarter of the field that played, but I think basically only about ten of them made the cut. Like a lot of them missed the cuts. You know, Lucas Glover, I think, is kind of like an ambassador there. Missed the cut. John Hur missed the cut. Kisner list cut. Keith Mitchell cut, Alex Noren cut, JT Poston cut, JJ Spawn. A lot of big names in what would have been a, a weaker field uh, yeah. missed the cut. So just kind of giving some top-line players that did well there last year. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton finished second. Uh, Harris English 14th. Matt Fitzpatrick 10th. Timmy, Tommy Fleetwood 35th. Sung Jm 35th. Uh, Seamus Power 19th. Ches Reeby 14th. Andrew Putnam 67th. And that is the lot that have made that have played four rounds at Congaree. So... Um, that's a, a very quick summary of what happened there last year. Mm-hmm. Comes into to this year, and it's a, a completely different look. It's obviously a different event, so we're not talking about the Palmetto in, in 2022. We're talking about the CJ Cup and, and just you know a different type of field. But Rory McIlroy comes in at 15 to two, John Rahm nine to one, Scotty Scheffler 14 to one, Justin Thomas 14 to one. Uh, we'll probably stop there because there's quite a big gap after that. Justin Thomas, there is some 16 to 1 if you want to go to some ominous yeah. books on there. But um, I was very tempted by Rory McIlroy, and that, I don't say that often, um, mm-hmm. but, I, but I did feel it. I mean, I don't know whether you looked at any sort of course comps, Brad, but like Tom, it's a Tom Fazio golf course, yeah. and when you look at it, I think about driver, how often you're going to hit it here. I think about um, Quail Hollow for the Wells Fargo. Um, I also think about Kiowa Island. It wasn't a Fazio design, but it is in South Carolina. It has got a lot of the kind of the the, the sand and the dirt and all that sort of stuff. Because there's no rough here to speak of. It's all kind of just dirt nice. lines and, and stuff. So it felt a little bit Kiowa Island-ish. And Rory's obviously won at both of those golf courses. Obviously, he's hitting the ball incredibly well off the tee. Around the greens, he's been great. But I just... I find it hard. Like, just, just because he's been disappointing, even on the DP World Tour, he's given up leads. Like... Do I really want to be backing someone? I mean, I, I said this about John Rahm the other day, and he obviously won. But you know, we, we saw it with kind of Patrick Cantlay triple in the last last week, like or two weeks ago. Like it can, there's so much that can happen in the space of one or two holes that you have to be very, very confident at 15 to two. You do, yeah. I mean, I I didn't consider him, but yeah, I mean, he's just been so consistent, really. Just needs to win more. Like he should win more for how well he plays, to be honest. But... Uh, uh, short thing is like. It's tough because like we think Rory McIlroy should win more, and and I agree. I, th- I think he definitely should win more. But he's won what, what was he done like thirty four wins in his career at the age of like he's just mm-hmm. turned thirty three. So like he you know what more does he really need to do? But it just feels like he probably gives up two or three chances a year that he doesn't get over the line. I mean he lost in the playoff at the Wells Fargo to to Ricky when that, I think it was his first win. Lost to Russell Henley at the, the Honda Classic in 2014. Then you just think about all the near chances in the last couple of years as well. Yeah. But you look, two wins in 2021, including this event last year. Um, two wins in 2022. Two, three, four wins in 2019, all on the PJ Tour. Like, it's... I don't know. It, How much he contends, though. Like, he's up there. I, I just... It, it, I feel like he still should... Probably have a few more to his name. He, he should. I think, <laughs> I'm, I'm harsh. I'm harsh uh, on him. No, but I think it's true. I think it's. I mean, he's that good though. I, I'm, it's only a compliment. It to is how, a compliment. How, it is a compliment. Like to how good I think he is. Like. You, that's what it is. I think yeah. it's. I think it's the fact that he kind of like he wins the tour championship from a massive like deficit or whatever or four or five shot yeah. deficit and you think okay well, you know that that's Roy McIlroy that's what he's going to do in the next two or three events and he just doesn't do it and you think oh, okay like doesn't win like the BMW PGA win, it? it is it's it it is. Is a, there's normally a hundred or players in the field and 
you can't all win them. It's surprising though the three events he's come over. I mean, obviously he's had two, three top fives on the yeah. DP World Tour, but not to to win any of them. Um, and then to come over to obviously the first event back on the PGA Tour, and his favourite on a course he hasn't seen before. It's yeah. like I think for me, I would happily take him on at fifteen to two. Um, but not to say that he can't win because obviously he's Rory McIlroy. But it, it feels like every podcast we're kind of starting it with we we have to be wary of Rory, but we're not going to back him. Now Jason yeah. is backing him. Um, I think he might have been eight to one when when Jason kind of sent us message, so a little bit more juice there. But don't think fifteen to two is going to change his mind. Like I think you've got to look at it like he's been you know going back to the British Open where he was third, third sorry and should have obviously won it. He's missed the cut once at the St. Jude Championship, then gone eight first, second, fourth, fourth. Like there's just there's nothing you can really argue about. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, I still think he should have done better at Dunhill Links, despite the fact that he put on a charge on the final day. He was yeah. a 36 hole leader in Italy, didn't get over the line. He was, you know, right up in the, in the hunt for it at, the, at one point. Exactly. It's this is a tough a, one. This is a tougher field. It is, that, and that's the thing. It's a much tougher field. If I was going to pick anyone, it would have been Justin Thomas, I think. Um, I just didn't, I haven't seen enough from him to make me think I want to bet him at 14 to 1. Um, he, he's definitely playing well. He definitely is his type of golf course. I just did not get there, which meant that I actually didn't get to anyone, you know, below 30 to 1. So I think you're pretty much the same uh, in that respect. Um, yeah. Well, I guess. I took, yeah. I was just under 30. Yeah, so let's go to Sam Burns. Sorry, yeah, th- at well, he's available at thirty. Yeah, he's yeah. available at thirty if you want five places or twenty-eight to one seven places with yeah. William Hill, which is fine. Yeah, well, I mean, he's made a name for himself over the years. Three of his four wins come on Bermuda grass greens, along with a lot of other positive results on that surface. Um, that itself is a huge positive, as that's what we've got this week, Congaree, as we've said. Um, seriously long course uh, having some distance off the tee is a massive help here Burns has that in abundance he's always ranked one of the biggest hitters on the tour um, we saw him at the Samson Farms finished tied 30th which was an underwhelming result but he finished first for shots gained off the tee which definitely caught my eye yep. um, I really like Sanjay for this Um but I can't help but worry the travelling might catch up with a few this week. Um, and Burns at a slightly better price is well rested. And I think he'll be raring to go on a course that should suit him. I just, I really love his chances. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. It was one of those ones, I actually quite like Max Homer in this spot. I remember kind of saying that I thought he was a little bit overlooked at the Shriners because he had some poor course form. Um and he kind of overcame that. He didn't do great, but I think he was kind of inside the top 30, whereas normally he kind of misses the cut there. Um, he was twenty. He was 20th place at the um, Shriners, but he was inside the top 10 after two rounds. And if it's anything like Wells Fargo, um, he's obviously he's second on that golf course. He won, the, he, he won the Wells Fargo, didn't he? But it was a different golf yeah. course, but he was second at Quail Hollow. Um, so I do think it's the type of golf course that he can compete at. Again, just didn't quite get there. I'm going to just run through Jason's picks because I don't want to talk about them. We're none, neither of us are, are on his picks. So, uh, Corey Connors, Aaron Wise, who's someone I did consider, Cameron Davis, and Sahith Thigala um, are his selections. Brad, any thoughts on those before we kind of get into, into what we're doing? Um, Thigala, for sure, is someone I uh, was definitely monitoring for this one because he, he finished... He finished quite well, didn't he, in Japan? But again, it's just it's just the travel. I, I honestly, I've, I've only um, took one player this week who played in Japan. I really did factor that in, yeah, because um, they're traveling from Las Vegas to Japan and then back here, South Carolina. I just think it's just gonna take its toll, possibly, on a few. Some yeah. might handle it better than others, but yeah i'd rather them be well rested and find positives elsewhere and i think with that there's also a bit more better value for the people that are in playing japan you know so yeah i get that absolutely so i did go with one from japan it was ricky fowler um you know he came he came obviously a different golf course but he was he was third in the event last year every reason to think now that he's in a better place he's now working with butch Harmon again as we've kind of referenced a couple Mm -hmm. of times as commentary going to reference 
Um, I put him up at the Shriners, sort of thinking, you know, had that tie six finish at Fortinet. He's played well at the Shriners before. He's back with Butch Harmon. Misses a cut. Didn't didn't stay on him last week, and he goes yeah. right up into contention in Japan and nearly wins it. It just felt like a massive step forward. And I know, obviously, he's talking about travel. He's talking about the fact that he's, you know, he's nearly got that win. He's going back to Tom Fazio Golf Course. He's got a win at Quail Hollow. Um, that's going to kind of boost him, I think. Then I looked at Conway Farms, and it's not a golf course that I think has like any real factor to it, other than the fact that, again, it's kind of a driver-heavy golf course at the BMW Championship. Uh, he was second to Mark Leishman there. And then Kiowa Island, as I mentioned earlier, he was eighth in last year's PJ Championship, which you know he wasn't in the kind of form that he appears to be in right now as well. Um, so sixth and second place finishes so far this season for Ricky Fowler. Mm-hmm it feels like this is his chance to reinvent himself again. Like it feels like he had a real lull and there was a lot of talk about him going to live. He didn't, he didn't kind of put any, like any dampeners on it. He was kind of encouraging it. If anything, um, probably trying to boost his number, I think. Um, and yeah, I, ju- I just think that 66 to one about a player that we know is a major contender at his best. He's now back to the person that made him that, uh, he- he's playing very, very well. It's on a golf course. It should suit. Mm-hmm. concerns about I, I'd probably be more concerned about the fact that he, he nearly won and didn't as opposed to the travel but obviously both have to be factored in I guess yeah I was actually well close for you you weren't cheering him on last week but um, yeah. I was I was, uh, yeah, I was I was hoping he would win last week because you can't help but not root for Ricky Fowler um, and yeah you can make a good case for him again this week so yeah, I, I I would love to see it yeah Maybe. I, I I put Ricky Fowler and Andrew Putnam in Vegas and they finished both second and third or joined second last week. So I was definitely a bit nervous last week. Um, Coming on to someone we both agree on, which was nice because I thought I was going a bit mental until I saw that you you were going with him as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jason Day. So a win, two ninths and a 24th at the Wells Fargo, which I liked. Yes. First and fourth at the BMW Championship at Conway Farms. Again, I don't think there's necessarily too much similarities between Conway Farms and, and anything other than the fact that it's both designed by um, Fazio. I do yeah. like Wells Fargo. Um, driver just needed often. We know it is better. I mean, he has. this is actually what's been missing from Jason Day's game, but generally speaking, he's been a bit of a magician around the greens in you know his career. Fifth and tees green, an eighth in approach at the Shriners, posted a final round 63 and shot 66s on Thursday and Sunday. That's his second start of the season. He finishes eighth. Do we... I suppose there's two two-pronged questions to this. Mm-hmm. Is Jason Day ever going to get back to being a major contender? Uh, and is... If not, can he still just pick up the odd win as he goes through his career? I can't, I can't see why not. I mean, he's obviously had his troubles, a lot of his injuries, and sadly lost his mum yeah. back in March. Um, you know, and... It sounds, but I was watching his interview after the Shriners, and he sounds really motivated. He's he's keen to keep that momentum rolling into this week. I, he doesn't sound like someone ready to sort of give up. And I know we he has that reputation of like withdrawing out of nowhere, which is always runs the risk for people having a bet on him. Yeah. Um, but I he doesn't. I think he's still got a lot more to give. He's still relatively young as well for a golfer. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm not writing him off at all yet, and he obviously after last week's round, it shows us this could be a really good time to to buy in on Jason Day. You know, maybe he's just he's got over his injury problems, um, he's had a bit like, enough time off, and he's showed enough sign now like that he's ready to come back to his best. Um, he's comfortable on Bermuda grass, um, as you say, the Wells Fargo. He's good at Wells Fargo. That's a good comp, and uh, he's. Obviously, won the Arnold Palmer back in 2016. Obviously, a completely uh, different test. But, I mean, Hatton also a winner there. The runner-up yeah. last year, which was nice to see. Uh, he's just a really classy player and um, just brilliant stats last week as well. Third ball striking, 54 putting. I'm just going off over my notes. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I just think there's a lot to like about him. A real, a real like, lot to like about him this week. I think you can get, what, 60 to 70 to 1 on him now? Yeah. Sixty-six that's just, to one. That's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, a... I, th- I think on his day, this is a this is a twenty to one golf course for Jason Day, and I know yeah. you can't... it is. 
you can't say on his day because he hasn't been like that for a while. But to your point, which is one I was going to bring up, 34 years of age, Jason Day. He's one year older than Roy McIlroy. And I know Roy McIlroy's been more relevant in recent years than Jason Day has, and then it's not very close. But, you know, for a good period of time, there was always this, when's it going to happen for Jason Day? It's not going to happen. He's never going to live up to his potential. And then he just erupted and was world number one and won the major championship and all that sort of stuff. And it's just been health dependent. Like that, that is it. Like he moved, he lives in Ohio, doesn't he? He, he lives in a, a really random part of the country. I think because mm-hmm. he kind of, I can't, I did watch a video about why he did it, but he was basically like, I think it was for travel reasons or something like that. And like, to me, it's just been honest, he's always just done things his own way. He's, he's kind of always known he had injury problems and he's trying to overcome them. I'm pretty sure he said not so long ago that he's kind of basically completely rid of them. And yeah. that, that's huge. Like, if that is true, then there's no reason he can't come back. Like, this isn't like the other day when I was saying about Jimmy Walker being a, a former major winner and, you know, he can come back and have a second part of his career. Like, Jason Day is... This is when people hit their peak. Like, there's no reason to think that he can't. So, no, exactly. um, I think it's it depends how you view Jason Day. If you think Jason Day is a little bit washed up... Um, probably, I mean, both him and Ricky Fowler. Like, both at the same sort of price. Like... It feels a little bit like I'm going into 2014, 2015 again with my selections, but um, you know it is what it is. I think at the end of the day, I think he's great value. I think he's perfect fit for the golf course. I think yeah. he does have a lot to offer still. Um, and if, if the Shriners is anything to go by in terms of his ball striking numbers, in terms of his finish, then it, it's, it's a big so it's a big year for a lot of people, isn't it? Like him, Fowler, uh, one that we're going to come on to in a minute. You know that they've all had peaks and troughs in recent years, and they've all all of them really have, have found the top and the bottom of the game very quickly. Um, and, and they've all got opportunities to come back. And I think some of them need to view it as like, you know, there's this fractured golf uh, world at the moment where they can come and kind of take advantage of that and get themselves That's back right. in the world rankings and major contention and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I like Jason Day a lot. Um, yeah. Final one for us, Brad, that we're both on, Harris English. And I'll let mm-hmm. you lead rather than me rambling too much again. Yeah, no, just looks far too big, doesn't he? Just hmm. he's shown promising signs this year, like since returned from injury. Uh, top ten at the Fortinet, um, and then it was a miscut of the Sanderson. I, I think that's when I put him up on here. I think maybe someone else did as well. Um, and then a solid enough tied 29th at the Shriners last hmm. time out. And what particularly caught the eye was his irons um, last time out at the Shriners. He ranked 15 which is the best he's hit them in a long while. Yeah. Um, he was in contention here last year, entering the final round in second. He even touched the front. He shot five over down the back nine to drop to tie 14th. Um, I was looking back at some old interviews. Um, he said in an interview how much like, he really loves the course. Um, he's relatively local, only two hours drive from Sea Island. And we know he's got that distance in his locker. Um, I'm just hoping he can build on last week's iron display and sort of get himself in the mix again at a course he clearly enjoys playing at. I just It's just a big prize, isn't it? I, I actually took him at 110 to eight places just to get the places. But I, yeah. I, I think there's still 125s out there is. readily yeah. available. So, um, yeah, I think there's uh, plenty, plenty of price there to go for. Yeah, 125 to one. Even the, the 110, like you say, I think that is still available on on the eight places. It's for me what I found about Harris English is one. I kind of looked to see whether it was, you know, is it too long? Is it too big for Harris English? And I think the answer is no. Obviously, based on what we saw last year. Um, ever since he came back from injury, I, I, you know, I think you'll probably remember. I've kind of kept trying to put him up or kept thinking about him, and he's never quite been big enough, right, mm-hmm. odds wise, and. Obviously, you put him up at Sanderson's. I think I put him up somewhere else. Didn't he miss the cut, or whatever? But he's now 125 to one. But it, it just—it's a golf course he's played well on. He finished the Fortinet of a 66. He finished the Shrines of a 65. Both of those really, really strong. Yeah. And what I did like as well, uh, inside the top 10 for strokes going around the, the green in his two made cuts this season. So, mm-hmm. although I don't want him to have to rely on that too often, I'd rather he sort of went tee to green and, and didn't have to keep sort of chipping in or you know. You know, getting up and down. I don't want him to rely on that. That is a really good sign mm-hmm. around the golf course that's probably going to demand that. And we know he can play, you know, he can hang tough on these really tough layouts. And if this is going to be 
as tough as it was, you know, for the Palmetto, then that's going to be ideal for him. Um, another one, like you say, not that old, like 33. No, um, it feels as though he's been around for bloody ages. It does, and it doesn't help with the fact he looks completely like um, <laughs> Hudson Swafford, he was exactly the same as. Um, <laughs> but he's another one that's had like two parts of his career. So he had two wins in 2013, two wins in 2021, and gets into a Ryder Cup. Like, he, he almost needs to reinvent himself again, and I think he's capable of doing that. Um, yeah. Do I think he's got the the potential to be you know a regular sort of top ten in the world? No, I don't. But he doesn't need to be. Like he just needs to pick he's up the wins be like here the, and there. The Jason Coe cracker pops yeah. up with a win, you but, know, and that's fine. And top four finishes in back to back years in the U.S. Open like that that's not easy to do. And this could very easily turn into that type of test. Fifteenth um, at an Open Championship, nineteenth at PGA. He's a very he's a gamer. Like I think he's he's very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, probably better than he actually gets credit for because there's just so much, so many good players you know it's, it's hard to stand out but yeah I really like Harris English I think it's when I look at my card and I pick Ricky Fowler Jason Day Harris English I think oh my god like I'm just trying to get some sort of renaissance here but mm-hmm. you know it is what it, you know I'm, I'm not completely infatuated with the top of the board um, Max Homer would potentially be the one for me at the top Um the others I just I like but are just too short. Then I started thinking about people like Emiliano Grillo, who's been playing very very well. Just didn't want to do that at half the price of uh, Harris English. Then you look at like I mean people are always going to back like Davis Riley, Denny McCarthy, oh, Scott yeah, Stallings, Keith Mitchell, Mitchell aren't they? They're, you know they're, they're beholden to them, and I try not to get like that about players now. Um, well, you got yeah, I'm a, there's like the Riley, the Smallies, you know the people that just I mean. You just stick by them through their talent, but you've got to try and pick the right test for them. Yeah. You know, and when's the right time to take them? And yeah, I don't know. They didn't appeal this week. To, to me, like if, if Taylor Moore played well this week, I'd be a little bit concerned because I've I've been on him multiple amounts of times. But again, this is a really strong field, and and I'd rather take the prices about players. I like, I know Ricky Fowler can compete in this field. I know Jason Day and Harris English can compete in this field. Like, yes, they haven't done it regularly over the last couple of years but they are all capable of doing it and I want that kind of upside of all those players um, mm-hmm. to do that so that would be uh, where I am now I think that's probably both of us done um, yes was there anyone you know last week there was people obviously asking about whether there was any sort of Japanese players that you're interested in is there any from the Asian uh, tour that you'd be want to give a shout to I mean Bio Kim is probably the only one with a bit of like experience who could yep. probably handle the pressure of being in an event like this, you know, and maybe finish in the top 40, top 30. Yeah. Um, that's probably it, really. That's the only one I probably would say um, is appealing. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's different. I mean, we, we didn't even really see it last week again. Like, I sort of had this conversation with uh, Matt on the DraftKings podcast last week. Like, like everyone's going to want to play a Japanese player because it's in Japan, but... Yes, there was three of them that finished inside the top 16, or four of them actually, but none of them really contended. And no. you know, it, Nakajima was very, very down about his game and then came out and played okay. But it's very, very difficult. I mean, I thought Kazuki Higa was probably the, the standout one there because yeah. he'd been really solid and he was disappointed. And I actually put up uh, Ricky Kawamoto, and I'm glad I don't have to ever go for that again because he was dog shit. Um, <laughs> So it it is what it is. Like, I just don't think you need to go down there. No, you don't. Unless you're like root like placement markets, that's all you need to go for. If there's someone that, that really appeals, like for me, for example, like Bio Kim would be a top forty player. That's it, probably. Yeah. Um, which is which in a seventy eight man field is not a massive endorsement, is it? So not at all. You probably get three to one, four to one, maybe. What is it? He's he's not even that. He's eleven to ten for a top forty. So. Even that is awful. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you don't, you don't yeah. want to be getting too uh, too excited about. Well, don't be going for that then. Uh, no. So <laughs> let, let's let's wrap that up then because I think we we're kind of happy with it. Is there a player that you that would bother you if they won at the C, at the CJ Cup? Oh, Sanjay Im, definitely, yeah. because he's the one that I've sort of um, had to choose between with um, Burns. Yeah, so yeah. Sanjay Im would hurt, for sure. Cool. Okay, let's summarise our picks. Um, we've got them all here. So Jason in the Mallorca Open has gone for Richard Mansell, Yannick Paul, Romain Langask, Louis Diego and Darius Van Drill. 
I have gone for Andy Sullivan at 40 to 1, Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez at 70 to 1, uh, Renato Paratore at 100 to 1, Maverick Ancliffe at 200 to 1. Um, and I'll definitely am tempted by Nikolai Hoygaard. I'm going to put Nikolai Hoygaard in as well. I'm going to piggyback yeah. off of the back of you, I'm afraid. Uh, no, Brad, your picks for us in the Mule Croken. So I've gone for Andy Sullivan with you at. What, what's the best price now? I think it's 33. 33 now, yeah. Yeah. Um, then Nikolai Hoygaard. I think the best price is 40 to 1. Yeah. Um, and my final pick is uh, Ricardo Gouveia at 100 to 1, I think his best price is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. They're my three for my Lorca. I like those. And then for the CJ Cup. Uh, again, Jason's picks, Rory McIlroy, Corey Connors, Aaron Wise, Kurt Kitayama, and Sahith Thigala. Uh, sorry, take out Kitayama, and it's actually um, Cameron Davis. So I've, I've read that wrong. Um, and then over to uh, me for the CJ Cup, and I've gone for uh, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Harris English, and I am tempted by Max Homer. Uh, I'll probably update that on Twitter as, as whether I'm going to go with that or not. But, um, nice. Brad, your picks in the CJ Cup? I've gone for Burns at 30 to 1, Jason Day at 71, and Harris English at 110 to 1. And you'll, you'll notice a slight hesitation in my voice while I was reading those picks out. That is because Jason, at the final minute, has sent us a message in and he's oh, taken. Okay. He has changed his lineup uh, for the New York Open to Ryan Fox, Richard Mansell, Yannick Paul. Romain Langask and Van Drill. Um, Better so late than never. He has, he has taken out Louis Diego and put in Ryan Fox. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're still listening, you have got uh, Jason's updated card. If you're not, then you've got Jason's old card. Everyone's already placed their bets. If, everyone's already placed their bets. So if, if you get angry and shout at Jason for, for Louis Diego missing the cut, um, that's his fault, <laughs> not ours. Um, Brad, another week in the books. Um yeah. T- tough week, I would say. I think I think we've probably been it's a common a theme week. recently, but I think it is tough. Like I think the CJ Cup is an exciting event because there's a really stacked field, but it's That's a real tough big field betting. of the year, isn't it? It yeah. is. Yeah, definitely. The, the, probably the best event we're going to see this side of Christmas, I guess. Mm, yeah. Um, and and probably the last chance you'll see all these together. So enjoy the CJ Cup and make of the Mallorca Open what you will. Um, you know, that's the deep world. It is a bit of a mystery. So we'll enjoy it and uh, good luck with your bets, everyone. Bye.